You're listening to this very special episode of the Mindful Leadership Podcast with your host, Jason Cooper. This very special episode is with the legendary Paul Boros. And if you really like what you hear, and I'm sure you will, please share with your friends and it'd be very much appreciated if you can give us a five-star rating as well. And we're live to the world. So good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or wherever you are listening to this wonderful show, The Mindful Leadership. And I have a really very, very, very special guest. And apparently, if you repeat it three times, it comes true. So, Paul, you're very welcome to the show of Mindful Leadership. I'm your host, Jason Cooper. I'm a sales strategist, sales coach. I help sales teams deliver better results This series is all about insightful leadership, but today we're going to probably slip off that a little bit and we're going to be talking about sales, we're going to be talking about humor, we're going to be talking about other areas. So it's about gifted leaders that employ brilliant and unusual strategies to great effect. So you're very welcome, Paul. Well, I'm very, very, very happy to be here, Jason. Uh, I'm absolutely, I'm very excited. I always had you in mind to actually have a chat with um, after meeting you in sunny Dublin a couple of years ago. And then I did a little bit of research behind who you are and I went, oh, wow. Okay. So um, I was introduced by Brian Colbert and Owens Fitzpatrick at the Cynical. I never liked either of them, just for the record. (laughs) It's, it's, yeah, it's the... They're good guys, really, uh, apparently. <laughs> so basically, you're, you're coaching the art of science and pitching. So you've written five books and you've got a new book in the background uh, in process, which is humanology, is it, if I can pronounce humorology. it. Humorology. Humorology, which is yeah. uh, the study of how humor can dramatically improve uh, your business, uh, your success and your life. That's absolutely awesome. And you are the number one pitching coach, speaker, keynote speaker. So I read on your website somewhere. I'm not sure whether you made that up or whether it was actually real, but welcome. And that's absolutely awesome that you've done that. So uh, your accolades speak for themselves. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I hope I didn't have to make it up. I'm hoping other people (laughs) said it about me rather than, you know, because it's a little bit sad if you've made everything about yourself. It's like being Donald Trump. I am (laughs) the greatest. I really am the greatest pitch doctor in the world. Uh, The the greatest humorologist. No, everybody says that I am the greatest humorologist in the world and pitch doctor. Absolutely. Ask anyone. (laughs) (laughs) look i I love you got such a huge accolade uh i'll let you speak about that in a few moments but i'm always really intrigued about your backstory and where what the the sort of the the points along your journey that sort of made you who you are today so if you give me a little bit more about that because some some of that i don't know about and i'll be intrigued and the audience will be intrigued as well to find out a little bit more about you Well, um, I originally studied psychology um, when I left school, when I went to university. Um, Then I abandoned it and uh, ran away to the circus, essentially, because Mm -hmm. I I became a performer. 
um, for many years in comedy and music. I had um, a, a band who we had some hits uh, called Morris Minor and the Majors. And then I had a double act. Um, and, oh, we also had a hit. Um, uh, I used to do a double act with a chef uh, who is now known as a chef, my best friend, uh, Ainsley Harriet, uh, called the Calypso Twins. Um, uh, guess which one of us was funky? Um, <laughs> no, so so um, we played for many, many years, both as Morris Minor Majors and as the Calypso Twins, um, the whole circuit around the world with comedy, but um, especially comedy store in the UK, jongleurs in the UK, um, London Palladium, um, like I say, did a lot of television, had hit records, uh, did worked a lot in uh, America and Canada, um, all over the world, you know, comedy clubs, TV, um, that. And um, after a while, after about 10, 11 years of, of, of doing that, um, I was asked by um, a, a very famous comedian at the time, because um, he knew I had a background in psychology, if I could help him. Um, because he'd uh, completely, as we call in show business, lost his bottle and uh, was uh, scared to get on stage, but essentially had stage fright. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I knew that I could do something to help him, but I didn't know how to do it quickly. And mm -hmm. he had to do a live TV show in front of an audience in a week's time. So I went and found um, the best person in a thing I'd never even heard of called NLP um, back mm -hmm. in those days, which some of your listeners will know was neuro-linguistic programming. And I know you know very well, Jason. Um, and um, I sent him to this guy and in one session uh, he cured it. Wow. And I was fascinated by the whole thing. And I went, I, I need to learn this. And the guy said, well, I teach doctors um, uh, medical NLP. So if you come and film my sessions, you can um, you can do the course for free, a five day course. And on the end of the second day, I was saying there was a lot of analogies between NLP and comedy. And he went, so that's really interesting. I said, you know, it's all outcome orientated. You know, mm -hmm. you, 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 you don't do start in comedy without knowing a punchline. So you, you have to know the outcome of where you're going. So um, it ended up that he said, will you get up and talk in front of, you know, um, whatever it was, 300 doctors the next day about this? And mm -hmm. I got up and I talked for half an hour. And uh, he at that point said, um, well, it would I've never asked this before, but would you like to co-teach with me? And I will teach you everything as we go along because I think you have all the basics anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so I spent two and a half years training doctors at Guy's, King's and St. Thomas's with a, a, a man called Garner Thompson. And I, I essentially got my chops and I did lots of courses and Richard, Dr. Richard Bander used to come and do sessions for us um, because he was very much behind the Society mm -hmm. of Medical NLP. Uh, so I got to know Richard through that. And it, gradually, I just got to know um, a lot of people, not just in NLP, but in all branches of psychology and um, used all that information. Very long answer to a short question, Jason, isn't it? No, that was um, awesome. 
Well, well, but then what happened was the weirdest thing happened is at the end of um, doing all that training, um, the BBC came calling and offered, um, uh, because I'd done a lot of television over the years, mm -hmm. offered us our own um, primetime BBC Two show called Speed Up, Slow Down, oh, wow. which is all about the psychology of uh, time management. So that kind of catapulted me because the BBC branded me as an expert, as, yeah, yeah. you know, in the psychology of time management. And it kind of catapulted me into the world of um, business training and, and speaking. Wow. And I also noticed, uh, having a look at your your videos and that, you, you've also done the School of Hard Knocks, which for me, um, that will... That, almost brought a tear to my eye really when I was watching that uh, because uh, I, I lived in London for many years and uh, a couple of my friends came from underprivileged families like that and for them to have something like that in their lives I would have thought that would have been wonderful and so for what you just did with the School of Hard Knocks and I know I'm, I'm sort of changing the subject from uh, the stuff that you've done but I, I think that was hugely powerful and, uh, and and it did. I was almost had a tear in my eye with that. So tell me a little bit more about that, because I find that in, in, in fascinating. Well, we did nine years of it. I did it with um, two very famous rugby players called Will Greenwood, who uh, won the World Cup with England, and Scott Quinnell, um, who uh, captained Wales and was a British Lion. Um and essentially what we did is every year for nine years, we we took a, we went to a, a very tough place in the country, in the UK, yeah. um, like sort of the east end of Glasgow or Edgbaston in Birmingham mm. or, or, or Wales. And every year we'd go and camp ourselves there for eight weeks and essentially invite anybody who um, wanted to to change their lives and we used rugby as the analogy to change mm. their lives so i obviously didn't do a lot of the rugby training i just did the psychology yeah. and the, yeah. the communication yeah. but um will and scott would do the rugby and i'd do the communication and what we had is people who came from really really tough backgrounds i mean mm. they came from you know we had people who had been in prison for you know 10 plus years we had uh, people who had, had alcohol addiction drug addiction homelessness um you know abuse every level and these are, were uh, young people who had no chance and and really society had given up on mm -hmm. and we spent 8 weeks with a course which was designed to basically go, you know what? You you couldn't play rugby when you started this, and look what you're doing now. You're you're mm -hmm. actually tackling a you know an eighteen stone guy who's running at you. What else can you do in your life? And at the end of the course, we would set up their own um, uh, jobs fair. Mm -hmm where uh, and film all this obviously for the, for the show and uh, and an extraordinary percentage and by the way the school of hard knocks charity is still going and still doing wonderful work um all over all over the country um and we found that this was absolutely life-changing for people because nobody had actually used sport or especially rugby in that way 
to actually lead people down a path whereby they realized that there were lots of things that they could do. And, and really, a part of it was being mentored by Will Scott and myself and seeing what is possible. Because uh, one of the huge problems is that if you come from a tough background, mm -hmm. you don't get access to people who can uh, possibly uh, change your life. So you don't realize it's possible. Yeah. So it, it's also that art of the possible. That's absolutely awesome. Like I, I do take my hat off for that because uh, that that was extremely powerful. So what what other areas do you work in? And sort of describe to me what you do right now in in that's one of the areas uh, and, and other sort of areas you you work in. I know we suggested leadership, but you also into the humor side of it in a in a massive way so i'm i'm impacted on that as well on all levels well yeah well my mission if you like now is to show leaders how to drive the success of their business through the scientific application of humor mm -hmm. because really what i've done is i've pulled together the two things uh, I I love most, which is psychology and humor. Yeah. And um, it, humor is how we communicate. It, it's how we deal with stress and adversity. Um, and it's how we connect and bond as a society. Yeah. And so th through humorology, I close the communication gap between leaders and followers because the greatest leaders are the ones who connect with people. Yeah. And one of the easiest ways to connect is through humor. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And so how, how would you do that? So how do you approach a, an organization or, or if there is a challenging organization and you go in there, well, this this is what I do, but how, how would you uh, approach that? I, I'm intrigued by that. Well, I mean, I talk to organizations and I, I find out what their issues are first of all. Um, but humor is there to break down the barriers, to mm -hmm. make the communication lines clearer. And, and all businesses that fail, fail because of bad communication. Yeah. And, yeah. or, and all communication is aided by humor. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you can break down those barriers and change, you can make teams more engaged, more responsive mm -hmm. and uh, understanding that. And, and, you know, you've got a background in sales as well as leadership. So yeah. you understand the, the way all these functions happen is uh, eased mm -hmm. by humor, is, is brought to the fore. And people, I think, sometimes forget that humor is crucial to all uh, these things. And it, it's the reason I'm writing the Humorology book and I'm, you'll see the Humorology podcast mm -hmm. is because I think it's one of the fundamentals. And by the way, at Humorology, we put the fun into business fundamentals. Yeah. Um, it, it's a fundamental of getting companies to actually work to their maximum efficiency is if you can go in and 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 say well actually what is your issue and people will say well i i think it's you know we're too top down and the leadership aren't getting the message through to everybody 
Mm. Well, guess one of the ways you're going to do that is through understanding that people are driven through humor. And in order to build those relationships, whether that's top down or bottom up, mm-hmm. and you have to get the relationship strong to drive the performance. And and guess what? If if you're working in a place that, that feels better and is brighter and, and has it, performance will naturally grow up, go mm-hmm. up. I totally agree. And uh, it's, a, it's always a really good icebreaker when you're speaking to someone is to throw a lot of humor in there. Mine is really childish, but uh, that's just probably the way I am. Uh, and I bounce around on the floor with my kids and it's, uh, my kids are still, uh, uh, my my son is eight, so my daughter is 11. My dad, my daughter goes, get away, dad, get away, dad, uh, when I'm laying on the floor with her or doing, doing silly stuff. But, you know, I think humor is hugely impactful and there's a, apparently a direct i had a look at some neuroscience brain scans and how it affects the brains on all different levels and it's amazing what areas light up and it's amazing the the connection that you do get with other people and everything sort of drops down so um having that well, it ability pushes, it pushes the hemispheres of the brain together because it makes the you know the the synapses it, it it's it fires uh, the 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 neurons in the brain in a in a very distinct way. So you're mm-hmm. quite right, and it also changes the brain chemistry. Now, yeah. who do you want to be around? I mean, for your listeners, uh, and you know, you, you're talking about leadership. You want to be mm-hmm. a great leader. Well, one of the things you're going to want to do is have retention. Yeah, you're going to want the best people to stay. Guess what? All the social science points to the fact that when people are in a good humorous state, they want to stay around. You anchor people into wanting to stay around you to help you more. Mm -hmm. If you're a leader, you don't want people going talking behind your back and going miserable sod, you know, (laughs) uh, you know. God, Jesus. because their inclination to help you will diminish. Yeah, yeah. But guess what? If you're considered a leader who is engaging and 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 brings people in and can uh, sort of, it's not just about delivering a gag. It's mm-hmm. actually about the whole ethos of having a light touch. Mm-hmm. a humorous way about you and you can change business i mean businesses go through tough times a lot yep. of businesses as we're recording this yep. are, are going through incredibly tough times yeah what's are. the way the best way out of that well a lightness of touch seeing the funny side is you know that's what makes a difference. And what I've, I'm doing with the humorology is I'm bringing this into business. Obviously, I do a lot of keynotes and I do a lot mm-hmm. of uh, talks, but I also do training around it. And, you know, it actually crosses over all my leadership training, my pitching training, because humor is at the core of every good bit of communication and i defy people i defy your listeners to ring in and go well actually it's not at the core i promise you i can argue all day and all night and tell you why 
humor is so important. Mm -hmm. And then I'll give you examples of how it changes the way people behave. So, no, you can tell I'm quite passionate about humour, right? I, I, I didn't guess that at all, so... <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can see that in you. So I can I can see it's all inspiring when you actually... So when you, when you actually do your... So, um, I've I, I seen on the, one of the lists of things that you do, you, you also do sales training, which I, I'm also willing and I'm, I'm wanting to learn how you actually do that uh, on a sort of... Uh, how you present that and how what the engagement is like and I, I, i'm always interested in that and i want to learn from you well I, th the first thing you have to know that it, you can't do any kind of training until you've got rapport with yeah, uh, with the audience and one of the easiest ways I know to get rapport is if you get a whole audience laughing together at the same time. Now, my background at the comedy store here in America and everything helps because yeah. I understand where the gag is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I also, you know, and I also train leaders in, in, you know, making sure that they can get humor into their speeches. But in a sales situation, well, the first thing you're going to need is is people actually willing to listen. Yeah, because because if they're not listening, they're not learning. Mm -hmm. And if you get them laughing, they are listening, and then they're learning. Mm -hmm. So you know the three L's: laughing, listening, learning. It, it's the well, core. That. I've just made it up, actually, to be honest. Oh, that's with that's you. really good. That's a really good three acronyms. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've, I've never said it before. You know, so I'm, I can't wait to hear what I've got to say next. To be honest <laughs> <with you. laughs> um, but it is. It is about laughing, listening and learning mm -hmm. because anybody in a room, by the way, we've all been on a lot of courses and I, 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 I and isn't it the worst thing in the world when you get on a course and the person is dull yeah, and yeah. talks at you? Oh, I've I been mean, on those. <coughs> I'm sure you have. I, and I, I remember my very first sales training course. Uh, it was uh, with a photocopying company in the centre of London, uh, Curtin Road. And it was a three weeks training course, and this guy was an ex salesman, and he should just bang his hand on the table and he'd shout at you. And I was going, I don't like this at all. I, I, what have I led myself into? But there was no sort of personality, no fun, no engagement. I, I came out there more annoyed than anything. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to be something different and um, maybe use my personality behind that. And hopefully, people might, might find me. Uh, authentic or you know uh, and i think i remember uh, listening to one of your podcasts uh, um and we spoke about tr being true to yourself i'm not going to say authenticity or as much as i just did but i think there's a big correlation with that and connection with people absolutely people can um you're 100 percent right jason because people can actually tell if you are genuine yeah you know where you know there are some people who are dead behind the eyes when they're doing it i mean i genuinely love all everybody i meet and now it doesn't mean that they can't teach me that i won't like them but yeah. i walk into a room with the attitude that 
everybody is lovely. Yeah. Because yeah. what's the alternative? But you do know that a lot of people walk into the room going, oh, God, what are these buggers going to be like? You know, it, and and it affects how they are perceived because yeah. as human beings, we, we, we work on instinct. Yeah. And we, we go, you know, we've all been at parties and, and not got on with somebody or, or just had an instinct and go, I don't know something about that person that yeah. I'm not sure about. And the human beings are like that. But in order to do it, and this is a great tip for anybody who's doing uh, interviews, public speaking, leadership, anything, is to go in with the right attitude. And the right yeah. attitude is whoever is in front of you is lovely. And people will go, well, then you'll, you know, reduce the fact of you, you being able to. No, it's absolutely crucial because that's where you connect with a person is is when you honestly go in at that level and go mm -hmm. yeah i'm i'm going to look for the best in you and and by the way i've i've spoken at conferences all over the world and um in russia uh, they they have what i uh, i call resting bitch face a lot of people in <laughs> russia i'm sorry russians but you know it's true they're the loveliest people in the world, but you have to get past that face that looks yeah, like, that, that you know, stern face. that stern face, you know, a, a bulldog chewing a wasp. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's, yeah was, that's what, exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah, and you have to get past that. But if you, as a speaker or as a salesperson or as a leader, are intimidated by that, are balked by that, mm -hmm. You lose it because you go, oh, God, they are difficult. And then you start to act as if they are difficult. And then it becomes a symbiotic process whereby they, you get tense, they get tense. Yeah. And what happens is then you're at a standoff. Whereas if you are going, no, I'm just going to act as if you're lovely, as if you're great until you come to me yeah, i mean yeah. it really is that simple and sometimes people say well that's impossible i've you know i've waited half an hour i can remember one occasion when i was at a meeting waited half an hour until the person now i don't know what that person had been through in their lives yeah. or maybe you know their grandmother just died i have no idea but if i maintained that ethos until they came around and mm. i most of the time you will um you will win with that i think that's a great idea i i actually uh it's not the some similar sort of lines but if i go into the local supermarket or the local shop uh corner store and there's a woman behind the counter and she's like Oscar, i try and make her laugh that's the best thing i could do says Oh, you're you're very welcome, but you're you're incredible, by the way. And she goes, the face just lightens up, and it's really good how you can just a little bit of words, a little bit of language can doesn't matter what they're doing, it really doesn't, because you don't again, you don't know what's going on inside their head, and it's probably the same uh, way that you're saying you don't know what's going on inside your, their head until you communicate with them. And go, you make their life a little bit better. So uh, I love that. 
Absolutely. And, and, and by the way, all leaders' jobs should be about making people's lives better. Mm -hmm. They're not there to bully people. You know, I mean, I, I meet a lot of leaders because I worked, you know, I am an executive coach at a very high level. Yeah. And so I meet and sometimes everything that is going wrong in their business is down to their attitude. I mean, yeah. the Americans have a saying that your attitude dictates your altitude. But in business, that's really important. If you don't have an attitude of we're going to, uh, I'm going to make you feel as good as possible. Why as a leader, I'm not saying you can't tell people off, but why would you want people to feel bad mm -hmm. just whenever they see you? Because you've anchored them into a state of fear. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. that person is going to get away from that abusive relationship. On some level, they, they really have to, you, you know, you have to understand that if you want anybody to go into any state, you have to go into that state first. So choose mm -hmm. a state which is of liking people, being open, being friendly. And like you said in, in the shop, Jason, yeah, yeah. you've got a choice. You can go in and go, get me a packet of biscuits. <laughs> now you know or, or you can go in and go oh hello that's a nice dress or, or whatever or you know i like your hair you know, yeah. you know by the way just in case everything it could be a man in a dress i'm not know. making jug value judgments here <laughs> um but you you know it's it's a choice. I, I was yeah. out biking with my running club, which is a strange thing to do. But yesterday. You're biking with your running club. How, how did that work out for you? I know. We've got a running, uh, a biking section as well. And it's, oh. uh, so we were, we were, we were biking and we were, we go through a lot of places where people um, are sometimes going, oh, oh, bloody bikers coming through here. And okay. all I do. <laughs> is everybody I see, and the more miserable their face, I go, good morning. <laughs> and they are obliged, because you will know about matching and mirroring. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah, obliged yeah. to go, good morning. And it changes their state yeah. as well. So really, the great leaders are great listeners, but they are great, great at actually state-changing people for a better way. That's absolutely awesome. I, I, I saying about running. Uh, I do a little bit of uh, hill running uh, or trail running, as they say. And last week there was a woman that was on the curb. Uh, she's face away. Stay away, stay away. And me running past her out of breath, I said, "We're away, we're away, we're away." And we just like shot past her. But uh, I wasn't sure whether she actually got the joke or not because uh, I was out of breath as well, and it was up a hill, so. Uh, it was that sort of scenario, but I was hoping to make a laugh. Uh, I'm not sure whether my comedy came across that well. Well, do you know what you tried? Yeah, and uh, 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 you know, and you probably did bring a smile to the face. By the way, that, that in life, as in business, mm -hmm. you know, I think your job is to go out and make as many people feel good as possible, and uh, and it's not. It's not that hard, you know, a compliment, mm -hmm. a quip, something that just makes somebody feel good. And if you have 
the attitude that you are going out today. And by the mm. way, if you're listening to this podcast, just try it and yeah. go, how much better will your day be? By the way, if you make somebody else smile, your day will be elevated as well. That's what it's about. We're, we're not on this earth for a, an enormous number of years. Mm -hmm. You know, make other people feel better. Think about how all the times when you, and this is for leaders especially, mm -hmm. all the times when you feel good, why do you feel good? Do you feel good because you've got a new Maserati or a Lamborghini or everything, or your stock price has gone through the roof? Or, you know, really what you want to do is raise the value of your laughing stock. Yeah. The more you laugh, the better your life will be. Absolutely. I was interviewing a, a guy called Ted Rubin uh, a few weeks ago, and he talks about return on relationship as opposed to return on investment. And I really like that sort of flipping it over a little bit because I think it's right. Return on relationship. How much can you make that relationship work for you? And I think that's just a really good analogy of uh, leadership and sales leadership and in life in general and how that will work. I've actually got a question to ask you, but and I have to actually turn my head over here and have a look at my second screen. Um, he, uh, I was given this question by someone that you know. I uh, said, uh, ask about your life story, which is fascinating. I think we've discussed that. I said, also ask about your buddy, Ashley. I, I don't know about that. I don't, I'm not sure about Ainsley. that. Ainsley. Oh, he I think put Ashley. Maybe it was, a, 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 you know, one yeah. of those typos. Oh, yeah, 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 hyper, yeah. No, no, Ainsley, Ainsley Harriet. Well, I was talking about that. We used, yeah, we went to school together. We went wow. to school together. Um, we had, uh, then we traveled around the world together. Mm -hmm. Then we uh had a double act called the Calypso Twins together. And uh, he's uh, gone off and had rather a successful career as one of the most famous uh chefs in the, the, the world. Um, but we still laugh like we were at school together we mm -hmm. did we had a we had a, a fascinating couple of uh things we we get invited to some rather nice places so we had one day where we were invited to um downing street um I saw not, that picture. Yeah. not not with this prime minister i hasten to add this was uh about three years ago and uh it's been about four since then hasn't there yeah absolutely <laughs> I, it was under it was under uh theresa may oh, okay. um but it was uh it was basically charity we were doing some uh, something for a charity and we so we spent the morning in downing street just opening every door and going in every room just because <laughs> we could because we, we we both went to school together and are quite naughty and in the afternoon, we were invited to the Commonwealth um, at St. Paul's, uh, no, at Westminster Abbey. With, mm -hmm. And we were sat opposite the whole of the royal family, a couple of whom were, uh, we know. And we just found this hilarious that, that, that two boys who sat in an assembly together at a comprehensive school in southwest London, were sat opposite the royal family. And it was the ultimate, because we do laugh a lot together, Rainsley and I, it was the ultimate laughing in church. 
You know, when you get really, you can't Giggly. control your laughter. And so the most wonderful thing about Ainsley and I is that we still laugh like children. We still have that ability to just see the funny side of everything. And, uh, you know, I, we were talking to Ainsley's daughter, Maddie, the other day when we were having lunch. And uh, I said, do you think either of us will ever grow up? And she said, I'm sure you won't. <laughs> and I hope you don't. Um, but no, yes. So that's Ainsley in answer to the question. Um, yeah, I, it was a, it was a typo, but I just copy and pasted it from uh, WhatsApp and I thought, put it in there and I went, that doesn't seem right. But I thought I just, he's going to laugh his head off of that now anyway. So uh, that's. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well done, Brian. Yeah, well done, Brian, for making me look silly. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. I'm going to text him straight after that. So uh, He probably did it differently. His, his, his linguistic powers are so supreme that he probably did it deliberately to mess one of us up. <laughs> it worked. It definitely worked with me. So uh, what sort of golden nuggets could you give back to sort of sales leaders, uh, uh, leaders in general, especially in this sort of challenging times? I know we touched on a few areas there. But what things could you say just to brighten them up a little bit and just say, this is something that I've learned and this is something that you could possibly try and do and it will make an impact on what you do? Uh, well, the first thing is I would go back to what you were just saying about relationships um, because uh, there was a study in America uh, which found out that 85% of all your success in life is down to the quality of your relationships. And that, if you think about it, that yeah. leaves only 15% for everything else. So all the stuff you're doing about, you know, I, you know, I've, I've done this course and I've done that and I've learned this and everything. Actually, 85% of it is down to the quality of your relationships. So if you are thinking of doing courses with Jason or with Brian or with Owen, um, who I all highly recommend them, them all, these are the courses you need, or with me, indeed, mm -hmm. is because these are the things that increase the chances of you getting work in on any level as a leader, yeah. as a, a as a, a speaker, a, as a salesperson mm -hmm. is becoming a relationship expert because the the greatest salespeople in the world, the greatest leaders in the world are relationship experts yeah it's it's not you know whilst it's great to have to to understand language patterns and you know uh, how sales language works at the end of the day it's still going to come down to how well do you get on with people mm -hmm. how many more people can you get into your network the americans have a great phrase which i like to borrow which is uh, your network is your net worth. Mm -hmm. And and that's all about relationships. You increase your network. If you are struggling and going through a tough time, as I know a lot of people are, are doing at the moment, what you have control of is increasing your network. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, and uh, people go, well, yes, yeah, so we can't, it's difficult. You can't go out and meet people. Look at this technology that we're recording on at the moment. Mm-hmm. You can you can talk to people. You can also talk to people all over the world mm -hmm. on this technology because now everybody's got used to it. 
we can do so there are and everybody will moan and go what are they well okay use this as the introduction factor yeah, and go yeah, you know next time we but i can't stress enough that you have some control and it's when you you actually give away your control and go well there's nothing i can do because you know it's the you know covid has killed everything no it hasn't it hasn't it hasn't killed your passion it hasn't killed your ability to talk to people it hasn't killed anything to do with relationships being yeah. started you know mm -hmm. of course things are slightly more difficult but be inventive yeah. You know, be like Jason. Jason's, you know, started a podcast so he can talk to more people. You know, I'm not sure that's if you why you started it because you're just interested in people. But it's a yeah. good byproduct, isn't it? I love it. I absolutely love speaking to people like you because the more I listen, the more I know, and the more I learn, and the more I can feed forward uh, with stuff that you've given me as a gift and. I, I, I treat it as a gift because it's a privilege as well, because you've got a lot of years of knowledge behind you, uh, literally behind you uh, with your uh, humorology. Mm -hmm. And could you tell me a little bit about that? Because I know you're right. You, you, you suggested in the beginning uh, a book and um, I've listened to your podcast on uh, your website with Alistair McGowan, if, if I say it correctly this time. And that was an hour. I listened to it in its fullest entirety and it was incredible so thank you for that that was awesome well well thank you because i i mean it is a labor of love um the humorology podcast because um i get to talk to people like you're doing on uh, this uh, podcast i get to talk to people who i uh, love and admire and i've got to talk to with billionaires uh, multi-billionaires mm -hmm. uh, I've got to talk with you know uh, therapists I've got to talk with um, people who are in the house of lords people who are you know baronesses people uh, who are top sports people and it's all about um, how humorology can change their lives through the application of humor mm -hmm. and how we can actually teach some of this back um, the 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 secondary line, the byline is called the serious business of comedy at work mm -hmm. because it is serious because the, the communication gap created by humor means that you can become much more effective in every aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. You can break down barriers. You can inspire teams. You, you can become more engaging and get more response if you understand how the application of humor can do that and mm -hmm. you know uh, I, I like to say you know what humorology does it is it puts a punchline back into your bottom line yeah yeah cool. because I the two that. are related you know and, um, good oh, well please do uh, you know but that's what it is and uh, it's extraordinary that the the people who are really successful, a lot of the, the people I'm interviewing on my podcast are phenomenally successful. Like I say, mm -hmm. millionaires, billionaires, and just sillionaires, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, but also phenomenally successful in their fields. But 
every single one of them appreciates that humor is a huge component mm-hmm. in 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 their success and this doesn't just include uh, uh, comedians but you know great i uh, you know i was inter- interviewing marissa peer uh, who you may know who's mm-hmm. a, a, a very famous therapist in america and 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 the uk and uh, and, uh, and the amount of credence she gave to humor in changing people in in actually you know using it as a change agent yeah yeah and a conduit for change was a, a phenomenal but even you know the billionaires i've interviewed interviewed like david mccourt who is a phenomenal guy who's written a fantastic book that um the called total rethink that you should really read as well but he he has, you know, gone from nothing to being a multi-multi-billionaire and puts a lot of credence in the the humour being mm-hmm. at the essence of it. Because when you're doing a deal and you're selling your company for £17.4 billion and you're going through a negotiation, he's still using humour to, to, to affect the whole process. And the people who do this best are the people who will succeed the best, especially, you know, post-COVID and going through Mm -hmm. this time. There is going to be a a rebalancing. Yeah. Guess what? Who's going to win? I will guarantee you one thing. The people who are going to make it out of this best are the people with the best sense of humor, mm-hmm. the humorologists, the ones who go, okay, I get it. I, you, we're going to have to laugh our, ourselves through this. Now, people go, well, there's nothing to laugh about. It depends on how you look at things. There's yeah, always yeah. something to laugh about. You know, it, it, to talk to, I work with a lot of doctors and surgeons and everything. They have gallows humor. I mm-hmm. work with Marines. They have the same gallows humor. My father was in the Second World War, God rest his soul. He used to talk about the, the humor because you needed humor to, to survive. Yeah, and li- lift you up and see and get perspective. You know, there are some horrible, horrible things going on in the world. Mm-hmm. But perspective and humor is, is a great sort of uh, way of getting perspective and pricking the bubble of pomposity. Uh, you know, those kind of things are, are essential uh, in my view. So um, anybody who wants to sort of uh, find a way through all this in the best way possible, you know, Hit your own funny bone. Make <laughs> sure, there's your anchor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, absolutely incredible, and I totally concur and agree with absolutely everything you say. And I think if you can wake up in the morning with uh, a, a skip and a jump and have a little smile and laugh at yourself, for me, if I, if I'm ever in a, f- uh, a funny mood. I do get myself out there, but I, I, I do like to listen to comedy. So Jimmy Carr does it for me every time, every time. It's just like, it's just so rich, Funny man. very dry, 
very, very naughty with, and he does go very close to the mark, but uh, he's absolutely... Well, nothing's awful. off limits, but yeah. you know what you're getting with Jimmy. You know, nothing's yeah. off limits. He he will push all the boundaries, but that's what you buy into when you, yeah. you're going there. And people yeah. are always saying, you know, should uh, comedy be about anything? Well, pretty much. Yeah. I yeah. think, you know, I, I mean, I think we all have personal things that we don't find funny, but you know, would you like the state to come in and 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 tell you what you can and can't laugh about? Mm -hmm. The answer is no. You know, totally I, I personally, I I personally, you know, we fought. Well, we didn't. Our, our you know fathers and grandfathers fought for that freedom of speech. Now there are lots of things I don't like when people mm -hmm. say. But I have to, if I'm going to be true to myself, go, it's OK to say it. Now, I don't like humour that puts other people down, particularly. Yeah, I don't yeah. I, I don't like humour that punches down because mm -hmm. I think it's 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 a, a little bit sort of uh, easy and lazy and and it's trying to make you, you build yourself up. Yeah. But it doesn't mean. I can't, I, I'm not going to march in the streets to stop it. You know, yeah. we have to have uh, humor uh, has to be, and the humor has to push the boundaries and sometimes go over the boundaries. Um, that's just a mere fact. I think that's the same in uh, business as well. Sometimes you have to push the boundaries uh, to find and test and see if it works. Uh, and if you don't do that, you, you just don't know. Sometimes you say things and you just don't know and go, well, well let, let me try this. But today I've been absolutely uh, uh, entertained and thrilled and I've learned a lot from you today. And, and that's all I want to do. But I also want to feed forward to make sure that other people learn as well along the way, which this is the whole reason, one of the reasons I do this podcast, because I want to make sure it always feeds forward to help other people along their way whether it's a smile, whether it's education, or whether they can just think about their own lives and learn to move forward, because I think it's always about moving forward. In So, Paul, how can people find out more about you? I did have this little ticker up, but uh, I will put it back down again. Uh, well, it's very, very easy. Um, it's just my name, www.paulbaross.com, and uh, Baross is spelled B-O-R-O-S-S. As I like to say, it's Paul Ross with added B-O. Um, <laughs> As it is above your head. <laughs> exactly. uh, for the audio listeners, they won't know that, but uh, 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 it's above your head right now. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, I speak, I train, I executive coach uh, at, at high levels. And uh, if if you want uh, to be enter trained, um, you know, get in touch and we'll have a laugh and make sure uh, that people uh, learn while they're laughing. Awesome. And I'll be there next time. Uh, I hope uh, as soon as I can get back to the UK uh, from Ireland and uh, I would definitely love to come to one of your courses. So um, thank you again. And uh, if you like what you hear uh, and if you listen to any of the, the iTunes, Spotify, please give this a five-star rating. Share with your friends so they can learn and grow as well. And Paul, you've been such a wonderful guest. I appreciate everything that you've said today. It's been a great pleasure, Jason. Thank you for having me. 
Thanks once again for listening to this very special episode of the Mindful Leadership Podcast. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends and give us a five-star rating if you can, if you like it and love it. 